welcome to another Wampa Collecting Good episode of Save Station Radio. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me is my co-host, Connor. Hey there. And this week we'll be discussing 1997's Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back. I believe last episode I got that confused with The Wrath of Cortex, which is the PS2 game. It's released on October 31st, 1997, and it is the second... Naughty Dog developed Crash game. It had a 87% average aggregate score, at least according to game rankings. And uh, I thought it was interesting to make note of the producer. Uh, it was Mark Cerny, who also is, I believe his official title is the lead system architect of the PS4 and PS5. So that dude's obviously very notable in terms of gaming. He also worked with Insomniac on the original uh, Spyro trilogy as well, so kind of a big deal for the PlayStation sides of things. Yeah, and was this the was this the one with the Spyro demo in it? No, that'll be next episode. Okay. Yeah, those trilogies are very close together, so you know, having the same lead designer, I think, makes a lot of sense for those. Yeah, totally. Uh, so last episode, we kind of talked about Naughty Dog's history a little bit. I thought it would be kind of fun to walk through Vicarious Vision, who obviously did the the um, the HD remake here for the Insane Trilogy. Um, they've been around for a long time. They were first founded in 1990, which is it's kind of amazing to me. Um, and then Activision acquired them in 2005, but even well before that, they basically have been a port studio for Activision. They did a lot of... Basically, if you ever played a licensed GBA game... <laughs> They probably had their, had a hand in it. Um, they did a lot of the Tony Hawk GBA games. They did a lot of like licensed superhero stuff, so Spider-Man's. Um, interestingly, they did a Jet Set Radio game, which I, we both just learned about when when looking at their history, which is fascinating. I kind of want to hunt that one down. Yeah, I was looking at it before we started recording, and this GBA port of Jet Set Radio, which in the u.s is known as jet grind radio for a little bit apparently is really expensive to find an official cartridge of probably because it wasn't made a whole lot or didn't sell well or something but man i would like to hunt that down i just don't want to spend 70 dollars on a gba cartridge i've never played their gba tony hawk games but i've always heard they're pretty good so i'm kind of curious about those as well we both grew up playing um american skateland for the ds which was also them. And I mean, I loved the hell out of that game as a kid. I didn't play the PS2, like the Pro Skater, the Underground games, but I mean, it's Tony Hawk. It's great. Yeah, it uh, it's for a DS version of Tony Hawk, it's pretty good. And they did several other DS games too. And so I, I can speak to that at least. And, you know, it's not going to be like, you're not going to pick that over a, a console version, but it's, it's pretty interesting and pretty cool. Um, and of note for this episode, they also did the gba crash games the original ones um they did three of them the first two well actually they're all side scrollers but the first two are supposed to be pretty good and those i've always wanted to play because i'm sure just crash as a side scroller works totally fine and it's pretty fun uh then they also unfortunately did the crash purple and spiral orange games but (laughs) we we don't need to talk about those i mean first a lot of the parts of the original trilogy are side scrolling as well so i think having just a side scrolling game entirely the the first of which being crash bandicoot the huge adventure i feel like those could be really good but those are episodes for another day i'm sure uh then they also notably did crash nitro kart which is kind of the sequel to crash team racing it that that game is interesting it's not perfect it's a little janky but 
as far as like track design goes, it, it's really cool. And the GBA version of that game had Spyro in it, so that's a ten. And then all those race courses are in the remake of CTR now, yeah. Yes, and I personally i think those are some of the best courses in that game so it's weird how when you pick apart a game you can find the parts that hold up and discard discard the ones that don't like that is a game i would not recommend people go back to but if you have ctr go check out those courses because they're super good yeah um some of their other notable work is they did the guitar hero ports for the wii and the ds they actually you know the ds got versions the... of guitar hero are super interesting too yeah they got that peripheral working for the so that you could have the buttons on the DS. Apparently there's people that out there that just love the DS versions and they have their fans. That's super cool. They also did the Xbox port of Doom 3, which I feel like was the one of the more popular ports of that game. Yeah, totally. I feel like a lot of people that I know who like that game played it there, so probably how they got their name out. Yeah, and we talked about Doom 3 in that Doom episode, but more notably, recently they've been they did worked on the Skylander series and all of its expansions and then helped on Destiny 2, specifically on the PC side of it, I believe, um, but just partnered with Bungie to help on that one. And then they went on to do the Insane Trilogy and then more notably later this year, they're doing the remakes of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. God, I'm so excited. It looks so good. By the time this episode's out, that'll be out. Yeah, I pretty interesting studio. Um, I think I'm somebody who's kind of fascinated by handheld versions of full console games, especially from that era, because they were basically just their own unique games. So I don't know. It's a pretty interesting history if you want to dive into it. Um, I will say their website doesn't really list a lot of their stuff. As far as I could tell, it only listed the modern stuff, which is kind of annoying. And maybe I just didn't dig deep enough. So I got all this stuff out of Wikipedia. And I'm pretty sure, I didn't list it like officially here, but I'm pretty sure they also helped, assisted on Spyro Reignited. But again, I I didn't check the credits of that game. And I just, it wasn't on their website or listed on the Wikipedia, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, and for the Insane Trilogy as well, the, the studio that did the Reignited Trilogy, uh, Toys for Bob, also helped with the Insane Trilogy. And then they're going on to do Crash 4. It also is listed here that the that Vicarious Visions had an unreleased, cancelled Crash Bandicoot game. That was for the 360, Wii, and PS3. So, you know, having done all the handheld games and then apparently doing a more mainline game, they've had their toes in the series for a long time. Oh, for sure. And I, th- and I think a lot of people would say that that's the studio they want to handle Crash Bandicoot. Well, definitely before this remake came out, just because of those handheld games and their work with the series, I believe. Well, actually, I won't say that because I'm not sure. So, yeah, Vicarious Visions. Interesting. For sure. about crash 2 uh real quick the premise it's basically it basically takes place right after crash 1 um and in this game i like that they try to do a little bit more story it feels like they're they were um they kind of got their feet wet a little bit with the first one and they were like okay we're gonna try a little harder here so there's a little more narrative it stops you every once in a while to have characters talk to you the opening cutscene is literally cortex falling from his blimp and finding a crystal which is a big deal in this game and then proving Crash Bandicoot is perhaps the biggest idiot on the planet. Cortex enlists him to help him gather crystals to save the planet. <laughs> so, 
that's the basic premise yeah it's like crash bandicoot didn't read the front of the box that says cortex strikes back and he's just along for the ride now here he's we go dip- like despite both um, his sister coco and dr nitrous brio from the first game calling and saying hey don't listen to him he's lying to you and then he just keeps going but whatever you know yeah, he's a goofball he, you know he stumbles through life well and don't it's we a wish we all could do cheesy it. platformer that plot is not very important too so whatever it's fine i do love coco as a character i'm glad she's introduced unfortunately tana is just completely written out of the story as of this point uh, they don't talk about her she actually died in the blip explosion it's oh, really wow. tragic. Yeah, you know, the, they don't. the bird they rode off into the sunset just died and she fell and crash lived. I didn't get that ending, so it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. On its face, I know it's a silly, goofy thing, but I really appreciate how, you know, unlike other 3D platformers or just platformers that are still happening today, from the second game on, they went, okay, we don't need to have him rescuing a girl, which I, I appreciate. It's a small thing, but I appreciate that. Um, you know, looking at you, Mario. Um, looking at you mario you know and we'll introduce coco for the first time he's a fun character and this game like the previous game once you get to the second floor you can actually play as her in the normal platforming stages i don't believe you can play as her in the bear riding stages but and the jetpack stages as well but um all the normal stages you can play as her and it's the same thing as the first game where they use the portal from warped so they care about lore all you crash bandicoot lore heads out there don't worry does not break (laughs) continuity yeah, she's just, you know, in between levels on Crash 3, and she's over on Crash 2 now. Which I, I love. I love that. It's such a fun little thing to add to the remake. doesn't add any gameplay or anything, but, you know, aesthetically, if you prefer her, you've got the option. Yeah, well, and I like Coco's design not more than Crash. I think Crash's design is still really great with his cut-off jean shorts and his 90s aesthetic, but, you know, I swap between them frequently, and I think that's that's super cool to have. We mentioned that, you know, Coco and Brio will call throughout the story. Uh, Brio especially is calling to get Crash to collect the crystals instead, which when you collect all of them powers up a giant laser that will be able to destroy Cortex's space station, which he wants the crystals to use to power up with his new assistant engine. He's going to use the space station to fire a big mind control laser or whatever and brio has a laser to stop him because they're no longer friends i guess and coco's there just to make sure crash isn't being a big enough idiot it's a very simple but effective plot i think uh this game also introduces it introduces a concept called the death path which uh if you get to a certain point of the level and you find a platform with a skull and crossbones and you haven't died yet you can take that and it'll take you to an alternate section of the level uh, which is a great concept. Uh, we'll talk about why sometimes it doesn't work in a minute. These death routes, I think, are a really cool extension of the first game's requirement to beat the level without dying to get a gem. This is sort of a toned-down version where you only have to beat this certain part of the level without dying, and then you can go to the alternate path to get usually a hidden gem in there. I think all of the all but one of the colored gems are hidden in death routes in this game. So instead of having to beat the stage without dying, you just have to beat this part and then the death route, which usually has checkpoints in it, and then you can get the gem at the end of it and then continue on with the rest of the stage. Um, I think it's really cool. It adds to some replayability if you want to go for that 
I think that sort of adding to what was established as the bonus stages in previous games, which also make a return, I think it's just a neat idea for that. For sure. It feels like it's looking at that idea and going, okay, that didn't quite work, it was a bit cruel, but we can take the spirit of that and change it into this other mechanic and be not so hard on the players, but also, you know, introduce this element of challenge, which is a good idea. Well, and in the original Crash 1 on the PS1, the main reason you had to beat the stage without dying was because the checkpoint boxes didn't save the boxes that you broke before breaking it. And then there was also a trigger at the end of the stage that would trigger if you hadn't died, then it would count the boxes. Uh, Otherwise, it wouldn't count them. In Crash 2 on the PS1, they completely got rid of that. Checkpoint boxes save all your boxes up until that point. It doesn't tally them at the end, only if you didn't die. So even on the original, you a lot of the limitations were scrapped, so then they just reintroduced that feature here. Small thing, but I appreciate it. I love that the bonus stages now reflect the level you're in, instead of just being kind of a generic background for the type of stage like they were in the first game. Now, if you get a bonus stage on the level, it actually reflects the stage. So, like, in the sewer levels, it'll be a sewer background. In the space levels, it'll be a space. Yeah, well, and those level design elements are actually part of the level geometry now, so this little platform that rides you to the bonus stage actually floats through the level over to the other part which is super cool in some stages because you can see the bonus levels geometry off in the distance but you know if you don't go through the bonus level you won't reach that part of the level so it's kind of cool to have that just integrated absolutely and it gives the levels a much more cohesive connected feel which is cool and there's no character emblems unlike the first game so you could just once you get to it you just ride it still doesn't cost any lives in the insane trilogy which is so helpful (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Um, This game structure is a little bit different from the first game. The first game was a world map. This one is kind of more of a hub world thing. It's like a tower, um, and each level of the tower has five levels and a boss. You can do each of those levels in any order, and then you face the boss, and you go up to the next level. Same thing for all five levels. And then there's also, for getting secret exits, you can get secret levels at the bottom, so there's an additional five levels there. Which I think is cool. It adds a bit of non-linearity to it, so if you're struggling on one level, you can go to the next if you'd wish, which is nice. This game also carries over all the enhancements from the insane version, so, you know, stuff like, or, or some of the things people had a problem with like crashes hitbox being different and stuff like that it's all the same from the first game so we don't need to discuss that stuff too much so yeah that's basically you know crash 2 we're gonna get into more specifics here again like the first game it's just kind of a goofy platformer so i wouldn't read too much about spoilers but if you are you can turn it off now and we'll catch you later connor is also going to talk about his uh his 100 experience i did not just like the first game did not 100 it so i am a fake gamer but I if mean, you want to hear about that, before. stay tuned. Oh, that's true. That's true. I did get the Platinum on this game when it first came out on PS4. So I have experienced it in the past, which is kind of why I didn't want to do it again, to be honest. Oh, we should mention this one, much like the first game, they also added Time Trial Relics. But um, yeah, so if you want that replayability, which I would recommend you don't, because you need it for the Platinum and it's hell. But um, stay tuned if you want. If not, we'll see you next episode for Crash Warped. So, let's decide it right now. Best level name from Crash 2. Oh, best level name? I'm going to nominate Cold Hard Crash. Um, Yeah, that one's, that one's really good. I like Night Fight. Night Fight's also good. 
um, unbearable later yep sewer later is really good unbearable they got a lot more punny which i appreciate (laughs) (laughs) yes very very good um hanging out i like because it's you do the monkey bar stuff as well as having the flamethrower guys that are hanging from the ceiling it's got that double meaning it's cute bear it oh is that one better than unbearable no unbearable is better unbearable is pretty good all right what's the best one oh man i'm gonna nominate night fight i really like that name night fight night fight okay you're your night fight i'm gonna go cold, cold hard crash all right so i want to talk to you about the structure of the game because it's a bit weird i think having floors indicates having floors and the floors are themed after each of the level tile sets that kind of indicates that each level would be that way but the crash games and this carries through the third game as well they kind of just place the levels wherever um regardless of theme did you like that or does that bug you because it bugged me as a kid (laughs) that's why i bring it up yeah well crash one did follow that you know you with the world map you actually saw like where on the island it was and then it would theme it off of that i think the most memorable part of crash one there is the when the world map goes to that factory and you have those three factory levels back to back starting with cortex power which is like the entrance and that sort of world theming is super cool and then this one they're like eh, it's just kind of a hub room the warp room and then you just go to the levels it is true that certain themes are more prevalent in an area that the theme is around like the for the first floor which is sort of that grassy theme it has stages like turtle woods and hang eight that are in that jungle theme but then when you get to the fifth floor it has like no jungle theme levels um, I feel like it could be a little stronger, but I think um, when they designed the levels, they didn't design them with that in mind. I feel like they designed them with difficulty kind of all over the place. So when they put them into the levels, into the warp rooms, they were kind of doing it based off of difficulty rather than theming. Yeah, I agree. And I, honestly, as an adult, I don't really mind it as much. I think I was maybe having a little OCD going on as a kid. I was like, why isn't these all the same? I think as an adult, to me, it, it stands out as like, well, I don't get bored of the theme because I can't because you're switching constantly. Like if they had all the sewer levels in one, it, it would probably annoy me. <laughs> but because we're switching, I feel like it everything feels a little bit more fresh. So I, I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind it either. But the abundance of level themes in this one compared to the first game... You know, the first game had pretty much just jungle and factory levels, and then there was like the wooden wall levels, I guess you could count, and then the castle the levels, levels. Uh, and the bridge ones, of course. This one has the ice-themed levels, which I don't know where on the islands that is, but I guess it doesn't matter. And then like the bee levels and the, oh man, just all of that kind of stuff that... It still has that sort of island feel to it, but they have a lot more variety in the themes. Yeah, totally. So I mentioned the death routes and those causing a bit of a problem before, and I know you wanted to talk about that too. The issue is you have to collect the crystal in order to truly complete the level, and sometimes if you go on an alternate route, you'll just skip the crystal altogether. And if you know you don't, you're not infinitely familiar with Crash, you won't know to go back and collect it. So you. Sometimes we'll have to occasionally play the level twice, which was annoying for me not 100%ing it. How was that for you trying to 100%? I mean, it's not an issue because 
I kind of went into this knowing the level design. I have played this game before and not too long ago. I think if you're just going on the main path, then the crystals are usually placed right in the way that you can't miss them. There's a couple sewer levels that put them on a separate path that are a little annoying, but other than that, you know, if you're playing the game normally and just going about the regular path, you're not going to miss them. It's when you start getting into things like death routes and some of the secret exits that you'll you'll miss it and then usually if you're going after that kind of thing you're already expecting to play the play the levels multiple times to map it out but you know i don't think the crystals are that much of a hindrance really okay yeah fair enough i do want to talk about i love this game i think has a great escalation and it's like backwards running toward the camera levels where it starts with you running from the boulder and then it starts and then you run from the bears and then you run from the bears while on a bear which is amazing oh yeah so the the bear levels which are the, this game's hog levels are so much better like the oh readability of the better. levels and they're so good um there's one towards the end of the game and it might actually be one of the secret levels uh totally bear i believe that's where the readability sort of gets weird with the guys that lift the ice blocks that is the secret level by the way yeah i, f- I figured it was the secret level other than that i think it's just great the running towards camera levels where they're explicitly like that where you're running from the giant bear those are great except for there's one moment and i can't remember the level that it's from where there are dash panels on the ground and one of them leads you directly into a nitro crate (laughs) (laughs) and that part killed me so many times but i still think some developer was just like i'm gonna get him somebody at naughty dog was like i'm gonna get him well we'll get into that more too but the i feel like that moment especially is just an outlier other than that i think the running towards camera running from thing levels are a lot better i think the i love the dash panels i love that you can get way ahead and then kind of spend time on boxes if you get really far ahead i like that kind of design yeah i even i I appreciate the um the kind of trip mines that don't kill you, but throw you up into the air and make you lose time. I think that's a nice design cho- design choice as an obstacle, because if you need to, you can hit them, but they're obviously gonna get you. They're gonna get you behind, which I think is a cool idea. And yeah, I, I genuinely agree. I think the the bear riding stages are so much better. Also, that bear is adorable and the best. I like the warp room where he's just chilling out. He's just chilling out. <laughs> Do you know if you jump on his head ten times, you get a bunch of lives? I didn't know just that. Squish so him. Good. Yeah, you can just squish him over and over again and it gives you like a bunch of lives for it. Oh, that's so sad though. It's so sad. That would have been really helpful actually cuz unlike the first game where I maxed out on lives by the end of the game, this one I got many many game overs on. Oh, really? But that's mostly just cuz I was trying to complete it. So yeah, that I think sense. going through normally it's not too bad. Also, it has my fa- the bear levels have my favorite. Uh, the ones where you're running away from the camera have my favorite death animation, which is when you fall in the water and crash is frozen. And the bear's just chilling on top of a frozen block of ice. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, it's really really adorable. Um, I brought up the nitro crates. That it's also a new thing for this game. They are similar to the TNT crates, where they just explode if you spin into them, but these explode if you just barely touch them. And I'm kind of mixed on these. I like them as a design tool because, you know, the TNT crates, it's like, okay, you have to jump on them and then 
not be near them when they go off. This is just pure obstacles that are just, you know, touch damage. They're cool for some levels, but sometimes they just get way too... There's just way too many of them, and they're kind of hard to judge, like, for jumps and stuff. Um, there's some where you have to jump over... It's one of the bonus rooms where you have to jump over a stack of, like, six of them, and you have to do it a couple times because of the way the bonus room's set up. And that jump especially is just really weird to do because you have to, like, crouch jump and all that. It's just... I don't know. that. It's just not great. I know exactly which one you're talking about, and I got to it here, and I just... I just went, nope, it went right to the end of it because I'm like, I think I have PTSD from doing that in the PS4 version. Yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't try and complete this game. It's not, it's not very fun. Yeah, um, I will say this, this, when I, when the Insane Trilogy first came out was my favorite of the three just to play normal, casually, without completing. Um, because I do feel like it's the one that, like, the stages, the difficulty of the stages progresses fine. I don't feel like it has any horrific difficulty jumps and then also I, I just feel like it focuses more on platforming with um sort of the bear riding stages and and the jetpack stages being like fun pace breakers but not necessarily like they just break up the game a little bit but not being infuriating obstacles kind of like the the hog riding stages in the first game were and then some of the stuff from three i find that is so i i i think that this game of the original trilogy to me has the best balance yeah, when I first played this game, which was earlier this year, this was my favorite of the trilogy. And I think I could probably get away with saying that as well when you're playing it just normally. If you're not going for completion, if you're not doing death routes or any of that, I feel like its balance and its focus on platforming is not nearly as... Um, as punishing or quite as slow as the original this game introduces like the slide jump and things oh, which we didn't is talk about the fantastic beginning. the slide jump is the best yeah so in this game um crash can crouch and if you hold crouch and then jump you'll do a super jump you'll jump higher and then if you hold jump if you hold slide while running you'll slide and if you combo that with a jump right afterwards, you'll actually jump farther and higher. And it is so satisfying to pull off and so satisfying to cheese some levels with it. Um, it's like the long jump in the 3D Mario games, honestly. That's kind of how it feels to do. And it really, really adds to this game. Yeah, and it just it's just one of those video game moves that has such great feedback. The animation's great. Like, you get a little bit of blurred speed lines behind Crash when he jumps, and it's just, you just, like, I find myself doing it on every jump, even when it's not necessary. Like, yeah, I, the way I he kicks it. his legs up and holds his toes, sort of, it's very, very satisfying. To me, it's kind of like, why would you ever play the original Mario without running, you know? Oh, yeah, I could definitely like, see that. Like, it's, like, on that level to me, where I'm just like, every time I jump, I'm just side jumping, because it's super fun. Uh, and then they also added a belly flop, which is a ground pound. Um, great animation on that, too. It's not really that useful. There are a couple of enemies that need it, but not really. Uh, I didn't notice any enemies that need it. It's needed to break steel crates, but other than yeah. that, it's kind of optional. I did really miss it when I went back to the first game, though, because if you get like a giant stack of crates, it's very satisfying to just belly flop onto all of them. And it, and it does give everything. you 
some vertical height. So if you mess up and destroy a, a bounce box, you can you can uh, do a ground plan to get a bit more height to get a box or two. So it is good for that as well. I didn't actually know that. I was mainly I would mainly use the crouch jump for that, where you just hold crouch and then jump. It usually got the job done. There's one like bonus room that I feel like it's required because you don't have enough room to to do it. But um, but yeah. Why don't you talk about your experience then with 100% and why it wasn't the best? Well, a couple things before that. There are a couple level design elements that I'm not wild about. Uh, the first of which is in Ruination. And I wrote it down because it's stupid. There's a part right at the towards the start of the game or towards towards the middle of the stage where there's a bunch of boxes that are just in like a square but right in the middle of it is a nitro crate <laughs> that sucks <laughs> why did you design that the best part about the crash games is when you find a large stack of boxes and you just spin into all of them but this is punishing you for doing the fun thing I told you it's that one guy at naughty dog it's jim <laughs> and he has a vendetta against the player like no damage enjoy this moment jib stop it um also the b levels i really real quick there's another one i don't know if it's in that level or one of the ones with the same uh tile set but there's a point where you get one of the the exclamation part boxes and it reveals a bunch of um you you hit those and a bunch of clear boxes pop up into boxes you can hit and there's it happens twice and they're both in the same pattern the first time you do it, it's a bunch of normal boxes the second time you do it, it's a bunch of nitros which is <laughs> evil see that's fine though because that that you can see you hit the box and you're not going to immediately die from it and then i mean you have to do that to get the the yeah. box gem but other than that it's like okay i can you know jump over these and be fine oh i've not but... <laughs> got it i love it i think it's dastardly i, I do think it's, it's really funny, funny. the same pattern though yeah I, I thought that was a really funny trick yeah, sorry, you were talking about Behaving, which is another great uh, level name. Yeah, it's Behaving and I believe Digging It are the mm-hmm. two. God, I, <laughs> I I don't know if it's just the in- Insane Trilogy or if this was in the original as well, but the bees are so aggressive. They will just run right at you, just fly so fast. Like if you're not already slide jumping and trying to dodge them at every turn or if you're extremely precise with your spins to get rid of them you're going to get hit by them i love the death animation for it but god it's so frustrating yeah i didn't have those problems this playthrough but also i've just played this game enough to where i was expecting that Um, when you first played this game earlier this year did you know inherently about the the spinning mechanic in the mud was that a problem Um, because i feel like that could be an issue no, I think it's fine because when it first shows up, especially if you're playing the levels kind of just in order, you know, left to right, I think it introduces it well enough where there's they just put regular crates there. So you're instinctively going to go spin on them and then crash will burrow into the ground. And that's you're like, oh, cool. That's nice. And then you remember that that color floor you can burrow into when you encounter it later. That's good level design. Honestly, I think one of the later I think behaving the one that's technically after that doesn't do something like that so if you do that one before digging it then you're gonna be a little lost but i actually found it really nice okay the fact that they can hammer you that the mallet guys can get you while you're in the ground is bs though (laughs) (laughs) gotta do that spin using the dig to dodge the bees i think that's really great and then just being able to burrow and 
not have them come at you is fine. But there are some moments where they just are so fast and <laughs> really hard to dodge. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Did you? How did you feel about the secret? It's one of those with the nitro crates. That's like a stair staircase. Um, I actually like that one. I, I think do too. It's so it's so ridiculous that they would set it up like that because it's not even in the way. You could just walk past it. So that's one of those secrets where you'll be curious enough about it that you just might jump on it and be like why is it set up like this yeah they also don't jump like the other crates do which is another cruel thing the nitro crates do in this game oh my god that's so frustrating that they jump and some of them sometimes they jump way too high or exactly at the wrong moment it's like (laughs) why did you design these like this yeah and they don't do it in like a like a pattern where you could learn it either so that that could definitely kill you sometimes yeah and that's one of those frustrating things where it's not difficult it's just unfair so it doesn't feel like it's my fault when i mess up it's like okay absolutely the secrets in this game are interesting because yeah they're like that or they're like in the sewer levels one of them it's like an invisible wall you can just walk through (laughs) like if you didn't know that was there that's kind of wild but whatever it's kind of fun also their bonuses so it's a little more acceptable yeah one of the secrets i think it's the one with the nitro crates and the other one that is in one of the uh, jet board levels where you have to not get on the board. You have to jump off of the board. Oh, I love that platform. one. That one is really great. I love that one because you can't jump off of the board unless you're at the next like dock at like the end of the challenge. So it, when having this platform that is just so empty and just waiting for you to jump on it i love that yeah and, and i think it's a great to get to it, it makes a great case for replayability replayability too in the best way where you get there and you see the platform and you're like that's weird and the next time you play it you can actually you you can actually jump to it on the boxes which is a great platforming challenge uh and then it rewards you for that curiosity in a secret level so like that that is a that is a great one i think yeah the The one's like the invisible wall, and then there's another one in one of the B levels where there's a plant that shoots poison balls at you, and it's off to the side. And I guess if you've thought about it, but those plants are really hard to kill, or in some places just like you wouldn't know that you could kill them if you're not in the ground. So getting to that part, that's one that... I did have to look up that one and the invisible wall one I had to look up a guide for. Yeah, those ones are pretty cool. Uh, And then I guess the other one, just to close that out, is the the one at the end of one of the bear riding stages where they throw you off to the platform, but behind you there's a bunch of platforms you can platform to the end. Uh, How many times can I say the word platform? And you can get to the the secret level, which again, I like, um, because you're right at the end, so your brain tells you to go to the end, but... There's platforms behind you, so if you're curious, you can just go behind and and get that unlock. That one I find cool because it's easy to understand, but it's also right at the end of the level. And if you jump on the secret platform, you don't get any collectibles for the stage. (laughs) So That's true. If you you are curious, you're like, huh, that's weird. I'm going to jump over there. And you're like, oh, cool, I found a secret. But now I have to do that entire stage over again. Do you not get the crystal? I'm pretty sure you get the crystal, though, right? I don't think you get the crystal. Oh, that's mean. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, the only other level I want to bring notice to is Night Fight. And I think there's another 
there's another one which I believe is one of the secret levels, but it's the the darkness levels which make a return from the first game. Yeah. These ones are a lot better. <laughs> oh yeah. Night fight is great. Uh first of all, they don't tie your light to Aku Aku this time. So you're not going to, you know, lose your light if you get hit, which is very helpful. They're these fireflies instead. And it is very like I don't know, I find the enemy design and placement to be a lot better. The level design doesn't force you to do some platforming in the dark. Uh they also put like cortex bots in this level that have lights on them so you can kind of see a little bit of the level if you do run out of light. I think all of that is just really great. Yeah, it's definitely a, a step up from the last game for sure. Uh is there anything notable about the jetpack levels? I think they're fun. They're not too much of a challenge. Um except for the out of control like electrical wires. I feel like those are mean because they're like unpredictable patterns. But other than that, I like I like those levels. I think they're fun. Yeah, I mean, the jetpack controls are really wonky, and I'm not wild about that. I got really turned around because the analog stick, your normal movement, just moves you on a 2D plane, and then the L and R buttons are used to move forward and backwards, or the L and R triggers, whatever system you're playing this on. And, God, it's so weird because I want to push forward to go forward, Mm -hmm. but then that just goes upwards, and that really trips me up i feel like if those if up and down and l and r were reversed i think or had an option to be reversed i feel like that would have been a lot more intuitive but overall i don't find them too bad uh even the electrical wires i feel like you can go way off to the side of the stage and just avoid them entirely yeah they're not that bad and like i think those are good levels for this because they're Again, they're not that hard, but they also just break up the core platforming. So if you're getting sick of it, you get a little bit of a break. And they're not that long, so I don't know. I I always appreciated them. Uh, I do remember them being infuriating when trying to do the time trials, but other than that, I, I, I do like them. Well, let's talk about bosses then before we talk about your your experience. I think they are all super easy, but that being said, I think for the most part, I find them all an improvement over the first game. Oh yeah, I think so. Um, some of the returning ones, are there other than Ripperoo? Is that the only returning boss? I believe so, yeah. I mean, in Cortex, but that's different. Uh, yeah. Ripperoo's fight is a lot better oh it's so much originally you had to hit the big tnts to time when he jumped over next to them so that he'd get blown up by him this time he uses a cane as a pogo and places tnt and nitro crates on the floor and you just have to avoid them and then he'll blow himself up you go spin him and then that's the fight again way easier but also just more fun to do yeah, because the first Ripper Roof fight, you can get lucky and do it super quickly, or you could just end up spending a ton, a ton of time, because the boxes that you're hitting to try to hit him move at such a slow rate that it, the timing just becomes weirdly difficult. And that's also like the second boss of the game, which is really annoying. Uh, the Komodo Brothers, I like them visually, They're but again, they're just super easy. 
Like yeah, like I think one I beat of them this one knives at you. first try without getting hit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It, they're just like one of them spins around in a circle and throws knives at you, but very slowly. The other one just spins and spins around the arena to try to get you, also very slowly. And all you have to do is wait for the spinning one to get dizzy and then attack him and he'll run into his brother and you, you get a hit. Super simple, super easy. Uh, Tiny Tiger, I actually like because of the platforming challenge boss, which I like in these kind of games. Like you're on a series of nine platforms and they'll start blinking red. And if they start blinking red, they're about to drop. And so you're, he's going to follow you around and mimic your movements. So you just have to jump on the red ones to get him to, to jump there when they drop. Again, super easy, but fun. Uh, I, also, I also just like Tiny Tiger a lot. Yeah, the next one is Engine. And his fight is weird because you're just relegated to a little 2D spot that he'll shoot projectiles at. And it's not clear that if you push the spin button, instead you're going to be throwing Wumpa Fruit. Yeah, very strange very strange but you know i kind of like the idea of being in the way of the attacks in order to hit him Uh, just that sort of risk reward style is very cool but all in all not super impressive no Um, could have done with like a little bit of like a coco head appearing and being like hey you're not going to be able to hit him he's in a robot throw rompas it's something yeah it's a weird it's a weird mechanic they don't explain at all Granted, the first time you try to spin, which is like one of the two moves you can do in this game, you'll throw a womp and go, oh, I get it. But but it's still just like a weird choice to have it be a unique mechanic. Yeah, and then the final boss, Cortex, you don't even really have to fight. You just have to race him on the jetpack. It is the biggest pushover boss fight I think I've played ever. Yeah, you just race him with the jetpack and then catch up to him, spin, him, spin on him three times, and then that's it. You beat the game. It's just like because he's so challenging in the first game and in this one they're just like like you can hit all the asteroids and stuff and you don't take damage it's just if he gets there first you'll lose but it's so easy i don't understand like like they just went uh whatever i mean the biggest struggle of that fight is dealing with the jetpack controls <laughs> yeah but i feel like after those other two levels personally i was just so accustomed to it that that wasn't an issue it just i don't know it's just such a it's an interesting choice for a final boss fight i guess all right, so how was the 100% experience? It was hell. <laughs> so I didn't go into playing these games wanting to complete them. I knew that they had weird completion requirements. Um, but then, you know, we had time between recording, so I thought, eh, I'll just spend some more time playing this game. Uh, and then once you get far enough in, you're like, oh, well, I got to just do everything. Some of it is fine. You know, certain stages like Turtle Woods are totally fine to complete. You just break all the boxes and get to the end. And then there's stages like some of the sewer levels and um, I can't remember. There's one of the sewer levels that just is an absolute maze. I mentioned in the first one how Cortex power was just terrible about having to walk backwards against the camera. This game does that so often for the box gems that it is super frustrating Um, There's also one of the jungle levels that does it where you have to do a death route forward and then a complete, you have to do that entire section of the level again backwards and then do it again forwards to continue with the level. And it's just not intuitive at all. It's not fun to do a level backwards against the camera, first of all, and then to have it do it, have to do it again to get back on track and then 
not break checkpoint boxes when you don't want to or do and then have to do a larger than normal section to get to the next one and it's just so frustrating the biggest offender of this design is is piston it away piston it away and cold hard crash are the worst levels to complete uh piston it away first of all it's on the fifth it's on the last floor and it's fairly challenging but halfway through the stage there is a death route which holds a secret gem super cool but in order to get the box gem you have to get the death route without dying and then get to the end of the level normally not take the death route break all the boxes there and then go backwards in that part of the level and one of the jumps is near impossible you have to do a crouch jump spin which gives you just barely enough height to get over to where you are and there's one thing with like the laser platforms that i swear is impossible to get past without an aku mask you have to get back to the death route and then do the death route breaking all the boxes there and at the end of the death route is a warp out of the level if you do just the death route first, you get to the end, you warp out of the level, and you missed half the stage's worth of boxes. If you do the stage normally, you miss all the boxes in the death route, so you are you have to do at least some part of the level backwards and twice. <laughs> and it just makes no sense, and it's so frustrating. Yeah, I, and I have no idea why in these remakes they didn't just alter the camera when you're going backwards, because it's totally fine. In the stages you know, where you're running from stuff, the camera's fine. So I don't really understand, they have the opportunity to remake these games, why they didn't alter that. And you know, I, I should say, barely know anything about game development. I know it's hard, so, you know, I, I, I may be speaking out of turn here, but yeah, that's that's frustrating. And I can understand that being a, a, a justifiable annoyance. Um, the same problem with walking against the cameras in one of the B levels, there is a B level where you have to do most of the stage backwards against the camera and the bees can just show up at a moment's notice and kill you that's super frustrating the other stage that absolutely frustrates me is cold hard crash and like anyone who knows anything about completing this game knows that cold hard crash is absolute just bs because the death route not only has a ton of nitro boxes that you have to avoid it also has ice physics and the death route contains a secret gem, but it also contains a box at the end of it, like an explanation box, that then spawns a box at the beginning of the death route. Why? <laughs> Just why did they do that? It's Jim, and he hates you. Jim, why did you do this to me? Why would you put a nitro box in a bunch of boxes and then make a box that spawns a box at the beginning of the level? So you have to do the entire death route backwards, and then if you want to do everything in one run without having to play the stage a second time, you have to do this death route forwards again to get the box that spawns at the end of the death route. But if you do it that way, then you have to go and do that middle section between the death route and where the end of the death route is on the regular path. And then there's the bonus room which in the original there was a box that was just off camera and that's complete just because <laughs> you just can't see it um thankfully in the remake you can see it it's very very nice that they did that 
but everything to just you know not die in the first place to get to the death route skip the death route to get the middle stuff and then come back and then do the death route forwards and then backwards and then forwards again and then beat the end of the level okay i already proved that i could do this challenge why do you want me to do it backwards and then forwards again like isn't it fine that i are i already proved that i did the level <laughs> leave me alone because f you that's why uh it's just so frustrating and i don't know why they would do that like i get the that the completion route is going to be more challenging than the regular i get that but like it's not fun at all i actually had fun completing crash one which i was not expecting myself to do but that challenge of just replaying the level to die to do it without dying is super cool to do that but then have to play a section of the stage three times is not cool yeah that's that sounds miserable i did not touch the relics in this game i know you did that back when you platinumed it but yeah and i'm not fresh on it but i can tell you it sucked do not do not and sorry i should have mentioned this before we went into quote-unquote spoilers do not attempt to do this to beat the game because once you beat the game you get the shoe power up which will make you go faster which is required you cannot get the silver or gold relics without them so make sure you you complete the game first i believe they're gold and platinum relics yeah what you need for the trophy you need to get at least all gold i believe i don't think you have okay. to get platinum but you do have to get all gold which yeah, it's 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 hard. Some levels it's rewarding. Like some, I do think some of them it works. But yeah, there's just a lot of bullshit in there that makes it very very difficult. And I just feel like for whatever reason, Jim decided to move to Vicarious Visions after Naughty Dog, and he went, yeah, we're gonna put relics in this one and require them for the platinum. <laughs> and so it's like, wouldn't it be fine if we just added them for those crazy mad lads that want to do it? It's like, no, only the platinum people can have it. You have to do them. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. And this level, I found the level design to actually require more patience than the first one. I know the first one is slow and doesn't have things like the slide jump. But the second one, there's a lot of like, like in some of those ice levels where there's the uh, crushers, like the wooden and stone crushers, <laughs> you kind of have to wait and adjust and make sure that you know when they're going to fall. There's also a stage with, like, uh, this might be in Crash 1, actually, now that I think about it. The one with the bats? That's Crash 1. Okay. Um, it's stuff like that in that is just more prevalent in this one. You know, waiting for the flamethrower guys to shop, stop shooting flames. Waiting for the crushing platforms. Or just waiting for enemies to line up so that you don't run into an obstacle. Like in those factory levels with the platforms that shoot shrink ray guns at you i'm glad you brought that up i was going to bring that up because there's two jumps in that level um you're talking about spaced out where i think that they're almost literally impossible and they require you to be perfect which is mean it's okay because it's the last level of the game but i still am like jesus christ it's the one where like it's the the shrink ray on the floor and then there's two of the like superheated pipes flanking it i Those can never get past rough. that without just sliding as far as it will possibly carry me and then my hitbox will just be right after it if you just hold slide as tight as possible then you should be fine it's so brutal because you basically have to get the slide jump perfect because you can't land on the platform in between otherwise you're gone 
you're not doing it. So it's just like, it's so rough. But again, unlike the first game, I think it's at least appropriately placed. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make me angry, but it is hard. You were making a point about something else. I think I cut you off. Uh, yeah, there's ones where like there's enemies that you have to slide to kill, but they're placed between two shrink ray platforms. So you have to slide and then cancel your slide right before you land on the shrink ray platform. Otherwise you are shot and dead. Uh, it's stuff like that that I'm like, eh, you just have to wait for it to line up in between and then make sure you slide at the right time. And none of that is very conducive to relic hunting, I think. No, it's not. I will say, though, even though I do agree with you, there's a lot, there's some more waiting. I think that overall, this game is still better paced in terms of like literally moment to moment gameplay because the first game had so many platforms that would be out of sync with each other and you just have to wait and wait and wait. This game feels much more designed around the waiting, um, which I, I appreciate. Like, I don't think it's a negative. Yeah, well, and having things like the slide jump where you can, you know, if you had to wait for a platform to get close enough that you could jump is fine, like Crash 1 did, but in 2, you can slide jump and get some extra distance and then do it that way. There's one of the, um, one of the river levels that you have to wait for a platform to line up or you could just slide jump and skip it entirely i think that's kind of sequence breaking is just really rewarding and is something that definitely comes back in crash 3 yeah for sure you know where you can see a lot of that movement though in our one of our required viewings for this week, which is the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, uh, Crash 2 100% run uh, from last year's AGDQ. If you don't know what AGDQ is, it's called Awesome Games Done Quick, and it's this twice-yearly event put on by Games Done Quick. It's a speedrunning marathon where a bunch of runners get together and they, for a week straight, uh, no stopping, they all run video games for charity. It's a great cause, and um, they're some of my favorite events of the year, and the there's a Crash 2 one, which I recommend everybody go check out, especially if you just played the game. It's super fun to watch these kind of things, because you're like, oh my god, this is so much better than I could do it. You get to see a bunch of tricks and a bunch of, like, glitches and stuff. I don't know, I don't remember if there's a bunch of glitches in this one, but in other ones, they've done that. Um, and I also kind of put it on here just kind of a broader thing, because they just did, uh, as at the time of recording, Summer Games Done Quick just happened, and I completely missed it this year, and I suspect I'm not the only one, because it's been weird this year, and so I kind of wanted to just, for a smart audience, get the word out about that and say, hey, if you missed it, go check out their archives, they're super cool, and if you have money, they were raising money for Doctors Without Borders, which is more important now than ever, so I just wanted to put that on here to kind of get the word out, and also... Just check it out because it's super cool and you'll learn some things about game development just kind of by watching a game be being broken, which is super fun. Are you a AGDQ person, Connor? Uh, yeah, I'll check them out. There's some pretty great ones. I love the tool-assisted speedruns especially. Those ones can be really funny. They're really unique, cool events to gaming, so I, I wanted to, to highlight that in one of these segments. So what did you put on here? Um, I put on the the Crash 2 Armadillo sound. I thought, this is actually my first note in my notes document for this game. The Crash 2 Armadillo sound is the funniest thing ever. 
uh, go listen to that. If you even if you have no interest in the game, go listen to the Crash Two Armadillo sound. I don't think that's what armadillos actually sound like, but I could be wrong. Um, for some reason, to me, they sound like Marge from The Simpsons, but that could just be me. It's just a really great sound effect. I thought I'd mention it. Next episode will be Crash Warped, which I'm very excited about. And then after that, will be Crash for About Time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, where can the people find, follow you on Twitter? Yeah, so I'm at Brickmaster03 on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow the show at Save Station Pod. Um, I put a link to that in the episode description along with the links that we talk about. Uh, where can they find you? They can find me at Dustin H. Dragon on Twitter. And yeah, check that stuff out. Um, and um, if you have feedback for us, um, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Um, if you have, maybe if you, even if you have recommendations for the recommended viewing segment, I'd be happy to showcase some of that stuff. Uh, these episodes are a bit weird because we're getting ahead. Uh, just because I'm going to be busy with school and stuff, so we might not catch those in time for the Crash Marathon. But if we can, we'll certainly include stuff like that. But yeah, do you have anything else to promote or add? Uh, nope, I think that's about it. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. See you next episode. Yep, take care.